Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is The Guardian. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. You heard it, didn't you? That sound like a crashing torrent. The sound of waking up suddenly in the middle of a storm or in the middle of a violent waterboarding. The simultaneous yell of 40,000 Australians reflected around a giant concrete bowl. The roar of the Gabba, carrying across the river, across the continent, across 10 time zones and 10,000 miles and into the waking nightmares of England fans who'd stayed up for the game. One ball was all it took, one ball, and it wasn't even a good one. Mitchell Stark sent the very first delivery of the ashes full down the leg side, and Rory Burns watched it clatter past his legs and into a stump. Barely 11am in Brisbane. Just gone midnight in the UK, which was appropriate, given that's the hour that spells are traditionally broken and promises turned back into pumpkins. Not for one. Milan gets the next ball away for a streaky boundary, then edges to the keeper two overs later. We're exactly 20 minutes into the ashes and Joe Root is already putting on his tin hat and heading into the trenches. The Australian captain brings himself on to bowl at his opposite number. He doesn't need to. A piece of Josh Hazelwood perfection removes Root for a nine-ball duck and England are 11 for three. What a day to be Pat Cummins, though. You get England's other talisman, Ben Stokes, straight after the drinks break, and you follow up with Haseeb Hamid, the only member of the top order who's made it to double figures, first over after lunch. You finish up with five for 38, and your opponent's hopes and dreams quietly suffocating like a fragile bird in your cast-iron grip. It couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. For England fans who stuck it out that far, there was a nice little counter-attack by Joss Butler in the middle session. Still, staying up for it was a bit like watching Scream 3 just to see the Carrie Fisher cameo. And as for the rain that we small islanders tend to pray for in these circumstances, it arrived eventually, with a large side helping of irony. The only thing it actually achieved was to protect Australia's openers from having to bat in the same conditions that England had faced. So tomorrow, England will return to bowl at Australia with a first-inning score of less than 150. We're at that stage where gleeful Aussie commentators assume the mantle of magnanimity and insist that they really do hope the series doesn't stay this one-sided because the home bowlers are looking indomitable and England have made the worst possible start. It's one midnight gone and in the words of Stephen Sondheim's Cinderella, opportunity is not a lengthy visitor. 
But now let's hear from the two people who were actually at the ground, Adam and Jeff. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. What a grim day for England. Uh, I'm here at the Gabba and people are, are streaming out of the ground. They were The place was rocking uh, at the start. It wasn't very full for that first ball, Adam. And I know we, we sort of, uh, we had a premonition about this because we were talking about how it was about a third full when Steve Harmison bowled that ball to second slip in, in 2006. It's the same sort of deal today because everybody was outside getting their vaccinations checked and all the rest of it. It, it was probably a third full when that first ball was bowled. The, the roar was still almighty. It's, it's, it, the game has a way of continuing to surprise. Like, we've watched so much cricket, and yet I was still left with my mouth open after that first delivery going, hang on a minute, this is not the script. This is not how things are supposed to happen. You don't just clean someone up with a fast-swinging full delivery first ball of the match. And, yeah, Rory Burns could have played it better. I mean, it was really just the continuation of his problem of walking across his stumps, and it's been criticised, and that's the technique that he's decided to go with, but he went too far across his stumps and, and left leg stump exposed. And when you've got a left-arm bowler who will swing it uh, in the way that he will to a left-hander, that's a, a dangerous move.
I will go out on a limb here and disagree with you. I didn't think it was a bad move to bat first because I thought it was borne out in the way that the innings unrolled when, say, Butler was batting with Pope, uh, when Haseeb Hamid was batting with Pope. There were periods there where it started to look pretty manageable to bat. And that's how I'd anticipated things were going to play that yeah it might be difficult for an hour or so or for the first session but you get yourself in and then you make the most of it and you'd rather be batting third than batting fourth when it comes to this sort of matchup like I thought that was Root backing his team and hoping to like the bowling first might have been the more reactionary move the more timid move because it would have been hoping for something dramatic to happen on the first morning and and potentially uh, letting yourself in for the letdown of it not happening as opposed to trying to build a lead in a test match the conservative way now of course England England haven't bowled yet and they might knock over Australia for 120 and all the rest of it obviously it didn't work they batted poorly at times. There were some poor shots in between some really good bowling. But I don't know. I, I, I felt like that was, in a way, the more bold decision to say we'll bat first and we'll back our troops. You bat. I'll point out that Ricky Ponting was very uh, staunchly saying all day, no, nah, they made the right decision, they should have batted, um, because he, he was always a proponent of bat first, uh, sent a team in once and, and regretted it ever since. But, yeah, it, it, I didn't think that the conditions were so raging that you needed to send a team in. It, it, it seemed like it was something you could manage batting on if you were good enough, and they weren't good enough. But they were faced with exceptional bowling. I mean... Sure, the way that Stark started, you can't necessarily anticipate that. That's that's the unpredictability of someone like Mitchell Stark. But Josh Hazelwood came in and was anything but unpredictable, like landed it on the head of a pin all day, got terrific bounce out of that wicket. It was like when he debuted there against India in 2014, that real steepling bounce. I was Where I was staying in Brisbane, there's uh, the road just out the front is called Hazelwood Street and it's on a really steep hill and it plunges down and then plunges back up again and it it's like exactly the trajectory of, of Josh Hazelwood's bowling it was it's a very fitting uh, street for him in Brisbane
Brisbane. So it, it was the bounce that did them, and it was that with Cummins as well, that, that a number of edges, I mean, particularly the one that Ben Stokes nicked into the cordon, but the one that Joe Root nicked as well, it, it, was, it wasn't just about a bit of movement. It was the steepness of the bounce that had players going onto the back foot to try to play defensive shots and thus giving the ball more time to deviate. Pushed at it. Mm. So, look, <laughs> the, the Cummins thing is extraordinary. If you look at Australian players who've taken five wickets in their first test as captain, there are two. George Giffen did it in the 1880s and Pat Cummins did it. Uh, George Giffen did it in... He didn't bowl in the first innings of the test, but he took six for in the second. So Pat Cummins is the only one to, to do it in the first bowling innings or, or the first innings at all of a, of a test match for Australia. So an extraordinary achievement. I mean, Cameron Green picking up his first wicket. The only thing that didn't happen for Australia was Nathan Lyon getting his 400th, uh, which they would have been hoping would happen, but he, he'll be trying to knock that off in the second innings.
Well, Butler was fun, at least. He brought England supporters a bit of fun on the day. I liked that when they had cover open for him, he was driving lofted shots through cover, forced them to take a slip out, and he does often get caught at short cover, so that, that was sort of a catching option and attacking option. But, you know, he was he was prepared to take the risks when uh, when the risk was low. He, he played his, his, his game strategically, I suppose. So, uh, there's look, there's the opportunity for England to hit back tomorrow. Conditions might be similar. They've got a good attack, but they're going to have to bowl very, very well to stay in it. I think it's a lot easier to be a bowling captain on day one when you're taking wickets early and everything's going your way than, say, the end of day four when you've bowled 42 overs and, and the other team are 560 for six. That's when it'll be harder for Pat Cummins to try to do both jobs. But a terrific first day for Pat Cummins. We're going to come to the final word Hall of Fame, which is not necessarily the greatest moment of the day, but the most final word moment of the day, the moment that we've that, that, that stood out to us, that tickled us or, or made us feel warm and fuzzy. What do you have, Adam? Yep, you've got to you've got to be prepared to uh, to roll the dice in order to be there. So I think my Hall of Fame moment is related to Hazelwood's catch, but it was just the look on Cameron Green's face when he got that first wicket. Like, a he looked about eleven years old. You know, he's like a delightful little chubby faced boy, even though he's about seven foot eight. But b like he was so happy in a really pure sort of way. He he, he just he got swamped by everybody, but you could tell that it had been weighing on him a bit that he hadn't taken a wicket yet. He'd played four tests as 
an all-rounder and, and hadn't picked one up. And then he was finally, you know, had one in the column, had one on the stats page that he's got a test wicket and he can build from there. So that I really loved. Um, and I also just, I enjoyed the, the, the instinctive roar from Mitchell Stark when he did knock over Burns's leg stump. The way the crowd went up, but it was like he was surfing the noise from the crowd. He sort of spread his arms out and just got carried across the ground like an albatross on a thermal current. You know, got carried into the huddle at slip and he was just screaming randomly into the air. You know, it, it was no, there was nothing planned about it. You couldn't have planned for that delivery or that result, but uh, it, he was, it was complete instinctive jubilation. Uh, so I'm sure it wasn't fun for English supporters watching on, but at least it was dramatic. for listening we'll see you back here tomorrow if you like this episode don't forget to subscribe the episode was produced by joe coning and the final word is produced by bad producer productions and edited by dave collins the executive producers are gabrielle jackson and melanie tate